This is the ATM at the Minute Podcast, episode 149. I'm Peter Mitchell here with Jackson Stover, and today we're talking a little football. We're going to talk about some of the coaching hires, all the crazy news we've had over the past few days with coaches named Brian, etc. And then we're going to move it over. We're going to talk about a little Tom Brady, then a little hoops, a little MVP discussion because it's looking pretty fluid right now. We got to touch on the all-star break because that is coming real quick and reserves are getting announced this week. And then, of course, we got to close it with some trade deadline buzz because February 10th is a week from tomorrow. So, Jackson, let's do it. Let's start with football. The Chiefs went down, man, and it was an epic collapse. Yeah, I was pretty stunned. You look at the first half compared to the second half, and holy shit, two different teams. I think you got to give credit to Zach Taylor and Cincinnati, but also kind of wonder what's up with Mahomes. I mean, it seems like he's in his head pretty bad, and some of the mistakes in the second half, like the interception in overtime, that was just a hell of a defensive play. The ball he threw to Tyreek wasn't bad, but some of the other throws in the second half and early in OT, Dropped interceptions. Game should have been over earlier. I was kind of surprised. It was like the Mahomes that we were seeing in weeks three, four, and five, and not the Mahomes that we're used to seeing in the playoffs who had this unblemished record at home. I was going to say, do we have to give the credit to Zach Taylor, or can we just give it all to Burrow? But then I thought, okay, the defense made adjustments. Exactly. They were dropping eight guys into coverage a lot there in the second half. I think that's kind of what led to Mahomes looking so confused at times. And it was really just a tale of two halves. When these two teams played in Week 17, the Bengals outscored the Chiefs 17-3 to in the second half. Mm-hmm. Exact same thing. Th- Exact same thing happened here if you include overtime. They made adjustments. Burrow did just enough to get it done. We gave him his due last week. He wasn't spectacular, but he made the plays when he needed to. Big exactly. Big catch from Jamar Chase. I think the Bagels have a real shot to win the Super Bowl this. Oh, absolutely. I mean, at this point, I want to go with them. Like, we'll get there next week. I haven't decided for sure what I'm going to do here, but why not? I mean, they just beat the Titans and the Chiefs. Those are arguably two of the best teams in football. And I know that the Rams have some pretty impressive wins as well, but I'm just as impressed with the Bengals, if not more impressed. Yeah. And I kind of trust Burrow more than Stafford in a weird way. I don't think there's anything wrong with that statement, quite frankly. Like, he's given. Never thought I'd be saying it at this point this fast, but. Yeah, he's given us a body of evidence here so it's hard to think that he wouldn't keep them in the game I think it will be really close probably decided in the fourth quarter but like you said we'll talk more about it next week Rams 49ers I didn't pay a lot of attention to drinking away my (laughs) sorrows so I'm going to give you the lead on this one Rams won 20 to 17 Jimmy G shaky yeah I mean it seemed like even when the Rams went down 17 to seven, I mean, I was still bonking the Rams live line. I felt better about Stafford than I did Jimmy G. And it almost felt like you wanted the game to be close. If, if the 49ers were going to win, you wanted it to be close. You wanted them to maybe even be behind where Jimmy had to make some plays instead of Jimmy having the lead and just having to not fuck it up. It's like when he gets in that position where it's just like, don't fuck it up, Jimmy. He always does. And so I felt like it almost needed to be a really close game all the way. I felt like once the Rams got that 10-point deficit and it felt like they have to throw their way back in, they're going to attack downfield, they're going to get the ball to cup, can the 49ers stop them? Weirdest thing ever, almost felt like being behind was the best thing that could happen to the Rams. And I mean, on the other side, like I was saying, the whole Jimmy just don't screw it up thing. It seemed like their entire mindset changed once they got that lead. They stopped being aggressive. They stopped looking to take shots downfield, and it just felt like they were going to lose the game. Well, it happened, and now Jimmy G's saying, I want to be traded to a winner. I'm pretty surprised by how quickly that story has kind of gotten legs here. He knew going into that last game, and I think the thing 
that gave it legs immediately was the John Lynch hug with Jimmy G when they were all walking off the field, going to the locker room. Every player, it was quick, you know, thanks, appreciate you type thing. With Jimmy, it was a long hug, serious conversation. You could tell Jimmy knew that was the last game if they lost. And you got to give a little bit of credit to the 49ers front office because I've always heard they're good with players, good with letting them know what's up. Clearly, Jimmy knew, hey, if it doesn't happen today, this is it. And sounds like they're both ready to move on and going to act fast and do what's best for both parties. Yeah, sounds a little Presti-esque, I will say. You know, accommodating the players, working with them, being transparent up front. Except they're actually winning. I guess we used to win. We used to win. We used to win. You get what I'm saying. Working with the players. um, I feel kind of bad for him. He's gotten them really far, but, you know, I was saying last week they should run it back, especially if they get to the Super Bowl. At this point, I feel like, yeah, we've seen the ceiling with them. It's not very high. I mean, Jimmy G can get this far, but he's yeah, so just, why would why would you run it back? Then? That's what I'm you saying. You know where the ceiling's at. That's what I said last week. After this past week, I can't I can't say that again. Okay, and also you look salary cap wise. Do you want to hold on to all of Jimmy G's money when you could move over to your quarterback on a rookie deal who's supposed to be getting the keys soon anyway? Like, let's just make the switch. And also, looking at that Rams game, when Jimmy was struggling to get in the ball downfield, if you have Lance there, at least it's like, all right, let's get some read option going. Let's get him out on some bootlegs. Let's make it easier for him to make a play where he can create with his legs. And you can't do that with Jimmy. And he doesn't have the arm like a Stafford or, you know, one of those guys were. Yeah, Lance does have a cannon. Lance kind of has it both. Like, you just don't have those physical traits with Jimmy where it's easy. He's a game manager because of the physical abilities, and he's just not that great. He's okay at best. His best characteristic is his leadership. Guys rally around him and play around him, and that's really the one thing he's got going for him. So he's got to be in a situation with a good defense, good offense in place, where he can come in and just kind of manage the game and not have to do too much and not be the catalyst. The real issue was that he threw two touchdowns. Had he not thrown any, they would have gotten it done. <laughs> what? I'm going back. Run to that back. Run he, that back. He was nine and two going into this past week when he didn't throw a touchdown pass. Oh, shit. I didn't know that. Yeah, anyway, well, that makes a lot more sense then. I think they're going to regress a little bit if Lance does have the keys next season. How much? I'm not sure. I think they could still make the wild card finish how they did this this season um but yeah i think it's gonna take a year for lance to really get those reps and feel comfortable in the pocket so eager to see what they do you brought up the cap situation i don't think brady's gonna end up there come out of retirement probably not at this point rogers wants too much money that just seems a little far-fetched for me you never know lance it's gonna be lance and i think like you were saying might struggle at first but they struggled the first half of the season. You know, they got it together in the back half. And even in some of, sure, a lot of injuries, but even in the second half of the games when they got it going, they weren't scoring a ton of points in some of them. You know, they were winning some games with only 13, 17, 20 points on the board. And right. so for Lance, I feel like it's just, hey, don't turn it over. Let the defense do their thing. Get the ball to your playmakers, Debo, IU, hand it off to Elijah Mitchell, and let's just play smart football. They give you something, you can scramble, take it, and they'll be fine. One or two more notes. I skipped these on the Chiefs Bengals. Eli Apple wins out of pocket player of the week. I mean, that dude's clearly never heard the act like you've been there before adage. He's wild. Yeah, that was insane. Um, refer to Twitter if you don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and then also, I wanted to get your take on the out that Mahomes threw at the end of the second half to Tyreek Hill. You think I was going to bring that think up? Think that swung the game? Absolutely. They lost all the momentum right there. If they just pick up even three, they keep the momentum, they add to their lead, and you don't give the Bengals hope going into halftime. I mean, that is the one thing you cannot do, not necessarily because three points compared to no points, but if Cincinnati gets that stop and they hold you to nothing, they've got something to rally around going into halftime, okay? If you kick the field goal, it's like, eh, ran out of time. They're probably going to score if they had more plays, more time on the clock. There's not a whole lot to be proud 
proud of. But when you hold them to nothing, it's like, we just got that one stop. We can do this. You know, like you get that feeling of we are okay. We can breathe. Yeah. And the difference between being down 18 versus being down 21, I can't tell you how that affects your psyche, but it has to a little bit. And Lombardi preaches it when the middle eight, the Chiefs gave up three points there in the middle eight and it came back to bite them. So would have liked to see them just take the points, but it is what it is. Let's talk about some coaching hires because there are some fascinating ones. Josh McDaniels and some fascinating non hires. Uh, yes. Let's start with McDaniels, though. He I would say this is the best hire of the offseason. Are you with me? Yeah, I really didn't expect him to be in play with how weird things have been with the accepting the Colts job and then not taking the Colts job a few years ago. Kind of just assumed he was going to stay in New England and maybe take the keys from Belichick eventually. Don't know what's going on there and how that might have played into things, but would have liked to see them keep rich in Vegas, almost at Oakland. Would have liked to see the Raiders keep rich, but if they Told were to move happening. on from him, <laughs> I know, I know, I thought it might, but if they were to move on from him, I think this is best case scenario, as good as they could have done. I don't even know what other name I, I would have liked to hear more here. Dayball would have been decent, but with McDaniels, you've got prior head coaching experience, comes from a proven system. I know the Broncos thing didn't work out, but that was a decade ago. He's had a lot of time to learn from that. He's going to come in and keep winning games. They'll be right back in the playoffs next year, I think. Yeah, and we'd be remiss not to mention Dave Ziegler was hired as the new GM. He comes from the New England organization as well. So you got good alignment there at the top. I like that. Um, Yeah, I do think it's interesting, though, that he just left New England. You'd think that Belichick only has five-ish years left, maybe. He's the next in line, heir apparent to take over. Mm-hmm. He's also the highest paid coordinator in the league, and he just left to join a division with Justin Herbert, Patrick, Patrick Mahomes, potentially Aaron Rodgers. I mean, this is not going to be an easy job. Like, it's kind of confusing. I mean, it makes me seriously, like I mentioned earlier, it makes me wonder what else is factoring into this going on in New England, because if he was going to leave, the time to leave was a few seasons ago, or at least when Brady left, you know, like what, why now? Like you were saying, highest paid coordinator, Belichick can't have that much longer left, or maybe internally Bill had decided he's going to hand the keys over to his son, Steve, and Kraft's okay with it. Yeah, that That's the only thing I could think of, because why would McDaniels leave? Or maybe Bill is re-energized with Mac being there, being ahead of schedule, being back in the playoffs. And he told him, "Ah, never mind, Josh, I'm going to do it another 10 years. Only two things I could think of that would make him want to leave. Certainly possible. But I I just thought he could probably have the pick of the litter. Like he could have probably gotten any job he wanted. Um, I was listening to his press conference, though. He said with Denver, he didn't put enough into the people aspect of things. I think a couple of the trades he made there kind of rubbed players the wrong way. That's kind I mean, of, he was starting Tebow. That's a bold move in itself. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he maybe he lost the locker room. And I think he had a lot of time to reflect, went back, had success in New England. He's ready to go this time. And Belichick's praised him very publicly, said he knows all phases of the game like anyone in the business. So, yeah, I'm excited about it. The other one, the Broncos hired Nathaniel Hackett. We did not touch on this. The only reason this is notable is that he was the Packers offensive coordinator and he just brought in the Packers tight end coach to be the OC. Mm-hmm. It makes me wonder if there's something going on there, or if the Broncos are just doing this, trying to make something go on there. I don't know. It's like, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Do they have word that they might get Rodgers so they made this yeah. move? Or are they trying to make this move so their chances of getting Rodgers go up? Man, I I want to say they hired Hackett on the merit of his ability. No. I just can't do I'm that sorry, with 100% confidence. There's just no way yeah. there isn't some kind of, you know, thinking from the Denver brass that, hey, we get this guy, we're going to have a better chance at Rodgers. There's just absolutely. There's no or way. maybe Rodgers himself said, hey, really like, uh, really like old Hackett. You know, if he were to 
wind up with a new head coaching gig. I wouldn't mind playing for him. Yeah, interesting deal. And the Broncos uh, just recently announced they're up for sale. So, you know. Coincidentally came uh, same day of the Flores news. <laughs> wonder, just uh, coincidental timing with that. Yeah, uh, let's let's do that now. So, I told you the Giants... <laughs> setting the table for this one. Yeah, let me think about this. I told you the Giants were going to hire a Brian. Did I not? <laughs> you did say that. Um, and I think they got the right one. But uh, yeah, there's some interesting context with it. I don't know. I thought Flores would have been sick there, being that he's from Brooklyn. He's yeah, he yeah. Gives off you that made the case. You made the persona. Case, think about this: you got Brian Dayball's offense coming in compared to Joe Judge and Jason Garrett's offense. I oh, like yeah. the thought of that. Yeah. Okay. Yes, I will concede that one. But if you haven't heard, Bill Belichick pulled an old man, texted Brian Dayball. Yeah. thinking it was Flores, congratulated him on the job. No, 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 vice versa. He texted Flores thinking it right. was Dayball. Yes. And then Flores realized, wait, I haven't even had my interview yet, and they've already made the decision. What kind of hiring practice is this? No. Well, and at first he also realized, hey, I think you texted the wrong guy, and said back to Bill, like, oh, right. hey, are you sure this was supposed to go to me? And Bill says back, Fuck this one up. Meant to text Dayball. My apologies, Brian. <laughs> Pretty mean, wild. Makes me wonder, did he do that on purpose, knowing Flores was getting screwed over, like saying it without saying it, you know, like without breaking the code type thing, letting him know something fishy's going on here, man. Yeah. It just seems really odd to me that you would still interview someone after already like having the winner in mind. And maybe well, exactly unless it was just to check a box like a lot of people are saying. Yeah. And I know the, the Rooney rule is in place. You have to interview a minority candidate before hiring a head coach. Um, I thought they interviewed their defensive coordinator. His name is missing me right now. Um, I think it's Patrick. Um, but he's black and I thought they had already interviewed him. So if that's what they're saying, Interesting. If they're saying they were only interviewing Flores because of the Rooney rule. I'm not 100% sure that's accurate. It's just weird. And then the other part of the story is he says the Broncos, Broncos. organization showed up hammered at 730 in the morning whenever he interviewed with them in 2019. Also said they were an hour late and seemed like they hadn't put any prep into it. They didn't want to be there. It wasn't. It, it was called a sham, a quote unquote sham interview is what I read. Yeah, now I could believe that people went to do an interview like in a different state and went out to dinner the night before and got drunk. And right now, their reasoning behind that could be could be a lot of things, but it's either malicious. probably in this instance going to be yeah something malicious, or they just simply went out and went too hard and weren't prepared the next day. That wouldn't shock me either. Like I could totally see John Elway and some of those guys just getting after it too much. And it's like, Oh shit, we got that interview in the morning, like better, better figure it out and just come in kind of struggling and being late. Not yeah. a good look either way, but neither would really surprise me a ton with the way things have gone in the NFL over the last few years. Yeah. I like to think that guys aren't being discriminated against, especially someone with Flores's resume. Like I think he's a great coach done a great job with Miami for him to be treated that way is kind of ridiculous. And for whatever the reason is, like whether it's merit based, race based, like one is a lot worse than the other here, but not a good look on Denver's front office. And I mean, it makes you wonder how, how many other things have gone on and how much more is going to come out here because Brian Flores has essentially thrown away his shot at getting hired by a team anytime soon maybe ever to try and bring this story to light. So he must really feel that he has been treated in some type of unacceptable way here. And I imagine a lot more is to come because what's come out so far. Could it be looked at one certain way or the other? Yeah. I mean, it, if you add enough of this up, it definitely is going to start to look pretty freaking bad, but these two things alone, I don't know. I mean, you could chalk them up to, other circumstances I, i'm not gonna play detective here i think the facts will come out and we'll see what happens but like weird freaking deal 
And you got to respect Flores for laying it all on the line to try and speak up for what he believes is right. Yeah, and I heard he crushed his interview with the Saints. So I think he'd be a good fit there, quite frankly. I think he'd be a great fit. Yeah, they're another team that's kind of been winning based on their defense over the last few years and not the play of a prime Drew Brees, you know. So I thought that mm-hmm. would make sense. We'll see if he can get a job with this whole lawsuit thing going on now. Really hope he does. I don't want him to get blackballed but like Kaepernick did. Uh, that would just suck. And then the last bit of this that is bizarre is that Stephen Ross, the Dolphins owner, offered him $100,000 to lose games intentionally. That's problematic because if there is discriminatory hiring practice going on, teams that would potentially interview Flores would see... could skip over him because he had a bad record. Because he had a bad record in Miami. Mm -hmm. That's not fair at all. So right, and there's that lens, but then there's also the other angle where if I'm an owner and I know I'm not going to make the playoffs and I'm not going to be very good and I have a chance to get the number one pick and there's no lottery. Yeah, I'd really want to lose really badly, but yeah. asking a head coach trying to bribe him to potentially jeopardize his career and his future. Right. That's not a good look. So I, I see both sides here, but it's it's another one of those things added to this story. And as more and more stuff like this comes out and gets piled on, I got a gut feeling it's really going to start to look one way. Yeah. And then also Hugh Jackson came out today. I don't know if you saw this. He I said heard that he spoke out, but I have no idea what the context was. I imagine it's all about the Flores thing. Hugh Jackson said the Browns paid him to lose games. Now, I have not read up on this at all. So If that's not true, 400 IQ move on his part. <laughs> yes. Yes, I agree. But consistent losing like that over like three straight years, no. Yeah, but they were really bad, man. I don't know. I, I mean, I believe it, but they yeah. might not have needed to pay to lose. Yeah. Um. If Urban Meyer came out and said it, I would believe it because that was such a mess. Also, what does that look like? Hugh Jackson pulling whatever QB they have at the time aside and saying, hey, I want you to throw an interception here. Like, how does that work? Or just make sure you don't complete a pass. Get sacked on this next third down. Like, I don't think that that's. Yeah, it was it was multiple seasons there. It's or just put the wrong guys in the wrong spots and come up with a shitty game plan and buy time till you get fired. How much do you have to pay him for that? I mean, Uh, you're pretty much just saying, Hey, sit here and suck so we can fire you and get good draft picks. He better have at least 20 mil in the bank. If that's what was happening. (laughs) Yeah. I'm excited to read up on that one. Uh, the Flores story just sucks altogether and wish him the best. Hope he lands a new job last hiring and let's switch it over. The Vikings are about to hire Kevin O'Connell, the Rams offensive coordinator. I think this is really interesting. It's someone without head coaching experience, clearly a different move than Zimmer. Uh, But I just don't think this will be successful. And I can tell you why. Yeah, I would love to hear your thoughts because this kind of surprised me and I don't really have a ton on it. I mean, I like to think McVay's got a pretty strong hand in that Rams offense. And I I don't know how much you could attribute to O'Connell. I mean, obviously he's a pretty sharp guy and must've crushed this interview, but this has been pretty head scratching for me getting the notifications this afternoon that this is happening. Yes. um, You alluded to it. McVay calls the plays. McVay has Matthew Stafford. McVay got rid of Goff because he had a ceiling that we saw. Mm -hmm. And I think Kirk Cousins is just a slightly better version of Jared Goff, if not damn near equal. He's definitely not Matt Stafford. So if you're telling me the Vikings are going to implement the same scheme that we see with the Rams... I just don't think they're going to be able to replicate that success. Like, I mean, we don't know that Kirk Cousins is going to be their quarterback next year. Very Maybe true. they got some plans and some big moves are on the horizon. Right. And we all agree he's not a franchise guy. He can he can bridge the gap until you get the next truck in the building. Yeah. He's going to um, start somewhere, though, even if they move on from him. I mean, whether it's the Steelers or... 
Tampa Bay, what whatever situation where they need to plug somebody yeah. in, or like Tennessee, even who knows? Him, Keenum, Teddy. Ironically, the Vikings have had all three of those guys. They're kind of <laughs> ridges. Just the place holding average Joes. Yeah. Um, but they also don't have a Cooper Cup who that whole offense is built uh, off of. Jefferson, uh, clear number one. Yes. He's pretty good, man. He's awesome. He's pretty good. I you just, also have Adam Thielen there. Yeah. And it, you got Rudolph. I mean, it's not like it's a terrible Rudolph's situation. Rudolph's gone. Conklin, you mean. Uh, yes, thank you. I'm living in 2018 there. <laughs> yes, Jefferson's incredible. I mean, records after records these first couple years. But it's just a slightly different skill set. He should be great. Jefferson's top 10. I don't know. He's he's not like he's getting a terrible offense. That Walker, he's into. Quarterback I don't could know. be better, but you also have Dalvin Cook at running back. Granted, yeah. he's going to miss four games a year, but he's going to be good the 12 or 13 that he plays. I'm just looking at it. Thielen is getting older. I think you only have a couple more years left of him being like yeah, productive. Fair. KJ Osborne's emerging. I think you'd still need a new receiver in the mix there. Look for them to draft one. Just putting that out there. Interesting. I disagree. I think they got a year or two, but all right, time will tell on that. Any other hiring notes before we get on to uh, the retiring? Uh, no, I don't have anything. I think we touched on it all. all right, I'm curious well, what you think about Tom Brady here. Yeah, so story breaks Saturday, and then tweets are deleted, and oh, maybe maybe he's not, and his family says he's not, but he doesn't come out and say anything, and then it finally comes out earlier this week that yeah, he is retiring, and he makes this Instagram post to essentially make it official, and in the post, he did not mention the Patriots, it was really just kind of closing the chapter on his time with Tampa Bay and a lot of Patriots friends are or Patriots fans are freaking out saying all these terrible things about him and Tom Brady you piece of shit how could you not thank New England we we made you who you were and all this freaking nonsense and I'm tired of hearing about it because frankly he did his goodbyes he said his farewells he did all of this bullshit already when the Patriots kicked him to the curb and pushed him out the door so he has every right to say thank you to the Tampa Bay fans, to send out all these messages that he already sent out to the Patriots because was it a shorter chapter? Yes, but this was probably just as meaningful to him and meant just as much because he had to start all over. They brought him in when everyone thought that he was washed and he was done and embraced him and he was able to win a title there. And like it was a sequel to the Patriots book. Patriots book was a 500 page slow burner and the Tampa Bay sequel was 120 page thriller, but he was closing the book on it. He doesn't need to thank the Patriots fans again. And they kicked him to the curb. They can, they can fuck off, dude. I'm, I'm tired of hearing the the spoiled (laughs) Patriots, man. Tired of it. Tampa was Emily in Paris. Got the job done. And new England was succession. Yes, exactly. I think, I think the whole story is a little i just think it's it's, weird and it's annoying quite frankly Um, yeah it's weird i wish it all just would have been one big swoop and not the he is he's not and just weird it made me not care by the time i heard he was officially 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 retiring i want to sit here and say i don't care about it but we are talking about it i just feel like we have to um i was trying to watch the hawks play kentucky granted that was just disgusting but all they want to do is talk about tom brady and it wasn't even confirmed it was just weird and they're trying to shove it in front of all of us just i just wasn't having it we knew this was coming eventually he's the goat no questions asked loved watching you tom brady you're gonna kill it when whatever you do next so thank you goodbye all right well on that note Let's talk some hoops. From one MVP to another here, uh, Brady won plenty of MVPs. Let's open it up here with some MVP talk for the NBA. Giannis, former MVP, he's in the thick of things. Jokic, former MVP, he's in the thick of things. Embiid's in the conversation. John Morant's kind of making his way into the conversation. And uh, I got a little something for you on one guy who should be starting to get mentioned here in the MVP conversation. You know who it is? 
It is 100% your boy, Devin Booker. Absolutely. (laughs) Guy's putting up 32 points a game over the last 10 since the Raptors incident. They haven't lost, and this guy's just been on a tear. And when you watch the Suns play, the biggest takeaway for me and for people that have consistently watched Booker throughout his career has to be the effort on the defensive end. He's turned himself into a legitimate perimeter defender, and it is no longer, hey, just go get Book switched on to you and attack him. You can't do that anymore. He's legit. He can hold his own. He doesn't need help. He can guard anybody. And at this point, he is a complete player, putting up 25, 5, and 5 on the year. Numbers are only getting better. Shooting splits are incredible. They're by far the best team in the league. I mean, the winning percentage is phenomenal. Why is this guy... Not in the MVP conversation, but why is he not even a fucking all-star starter? And you've got two Warriors starting, one of which is Andrew fucking Wiggins. I mean, (laughs) how many times am I going to have to say the F word on this podcast? Like, there's some ridiculous shit going on right now. Are you with me on that? I'm 100% with you that he should have gotten that starting nod over Wiggins. Okay, good. Good. Wiggins deserves to be an all-star. I'm fine with that. But you look at the starters, and it's the most obvious one of these things is not like the other that I've ever seen in my life. I mean, look at his numbers. Just look at who he is. Look at his impact that he has. Look at how often he's being used. Like, look at the usage percentage. Everything, his numbers are way below everyone else. And yeah, he's made some leaps on the defensive end, and he's a good connector for the Warriors who are once again good, but... Maybe if they were the best record in the league and were six games up on everyone in the West, it would make sense. But it just doesn't for me at all. Well, I think the real issue is the way that starters are selected. When you introduce the fan vote into things, that just makes it all out of whack. And I actually do think the whole K-pop movement, getting involved in voting for Wiggins may have been a thing. Just throwing that out there. Mm, that's not a bad point. Just like trendy, funny thing to do. Vote Andrew Wiggins. All the Warriors fans doing it. Right. Well, and all the K-pop fans, which there's millions and millions of them. So. Wait, wait. Why K-pop fans voting for Andrew Wiggins? I don't Some guy on Twitter has like a big K-pop following and he like was joking about it. And it was like, vote for Andrew Wiggins. And the K-pop hive started voting for him. Um. That makes a lot of sense. And I know Warriors fans are crazy, ridiculously dedicated. And I mean, I've seen Warriors Twitter thinking that Andrew Wiggins is a guy who now would bring you multiple first round draft picks and young players if you were to trade him. Like they think he's someone you would deal for Bradley Beal. Like straight up Wiggins oh for me type shit. These, yeah, that, that that's where they're 12 year olds, dude. I think it's just the normal Warriors fans. There's no way that's true. But yeah, Devin Booker should be an all-star starter because of how good the Suns are, because of the numbers, because of the increased defensive effort. I mean, this guy has gotten better every single year of his career. Facts. Quietly, too, which is what I respect about him most. I mean, he's not extremely flashy, although he's dating a Jenner. And he drives super cool foreign cars or retro cars, not even foreign, like coolest car collection in the league. I mean, dude's got style for days, but he's somehow he in just, silence. He does. And for whatever reason, he just doesn't get that media coverage. The Suns don't really get that publicity as a whole. I mean, I'm not trying to be that guy. Like people don't give us enough attention, but we have a big audience. You, you reach them. So they're covered. Well, yeah, exactly. And I mean, (laughs) it just blows my mind. Like ESPN will lead in with the Warriors game where they beat the Rockets. And then you're not starting with the Suns who just had an incredible, exciting game where they beat Kyrie and James Harden in the Nets. Like you're going to lead off with Steph and Kevin Porter Jr. and the Warriors beating the Rockets. Like, I don't know, man. It just seems like Booker and the Suns as a whole don't get the respect I think they deserve. Real ones know the Suns are legit. Kids love Steph. It's an entertainment business, a company owned by Disney. Of course, they're going to push Steph Curry, who's won a couple MVPs, right? He's won two, right? Two? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Had to fact check myself. Um, 
But the reason Devin will never be in the MVP mix is because Chris Paul's on the team and Steph Curry was handicapped when KD came. I mean, that's exactly how this plays out. That's why I don't think DeRozan or Levine has any chance this year. Their numbers are too close to each other. That's fair, but Chris Paul really isn't putting up numbers. He was putting up like 13 and 10. Yeah, 14 and 10. The scoring output's down, but the assist numbers are high. Everyone loves Chris Paul, respects his game. So they're going to throw him. I know. They're going to throw him in the mix. People want to put him in the MVP conversation like, oh, we have to get somebody on the best team in the league in the MVP conversation. Got to be Chris Paul. Like, no, I get he's a leader and a great veteran, but watch them play. Look at the numbers. Devin Booker is the guy. Book's the guy. I mean, he is, he's the igniter. He's the catalyst. They go when he goes. He is the guy. When he plays well, we don't lose. Yeah, and you can't give the MVP because of, or based on intangibles. That's ridiculous. (laughs) And people are like, well, compare his stats to Nash's when Nash won it. And that was totally different. Like, you cannot compare numbers from those eras. Totally different. I'm with you. Um, that's why he won't be in the mix. Hopefully next year, like if the Suns do go to the finals again, conference finals, which I think they, surely he'll be due. He'll yeah. he'll be due to finally get the credit then. He'll have to, unless Dame is back and Kawhi and PG had a great year. Totally plausible. But yeah, the dude gets snubbed. I think John Morant should be firmly in the top of the mix now, though. Agreed. This Grizzlies team has the best record in the league since Thanksgiving, I believe. I was going to say, be careful, because depending on what metrics you look at, it's the Suns for a lot of that. Yeah, I I believe since Thanksgiving, they are either in first or tied with the Suns. So they've been dominant. John Morant has been utterly spectacular over this recent stretch, and the performance he put on, Monday night against the Sixers. Granted, they didn't come out with the dub. It was just another reminder of how special this guy is. I, I don't think it's crazy to say he should have gone one. Even even if Zion comes back and puts up 30 a, a night like for his whole career, I think Ja may still have more impact because his ability to pass the ball, get out on the break, create for yep. others. And because of his leadership. I mean, that whole team has so much confidence just because of that guy. And I know I just said intangibles shouldn't matter, but he's putting up the counting stats with it. I mean, this guy is truly special. I don't know if he's going to win it this year. I I really do think he's going to win the MVP next season. I think in the next few years he will. But like people say with Zion, that injury concern. I mean, John Moran is the type of high flyer where, I mean, the only other guys I can think to really compare him to that are just playing with that high energy and that bounce and athleticism, being a smaller guy out there, Westbrook and Rose. I mean, Westbrook was fine his whole career. He's been an Iron Man. And then you got Rose where it was the opposite. So hopefully it's more on the Westbrook side where he doesn't miss hardly any games and never really has the big injuries. I know Westbrook had one knee injury, but I think that was really all he ever had that one, I believe it was an MCL, you know, hopefully jaw has that same kind of luck, but I, I just, man, every time he's up in the air and he's about to land, I get nervous. That's yeah. the only thing that's going to prevent him from winning MVP. And maybe, maybe defense, but kind of like Booker, I, I think he's get better still, with time. Yeah. He's still super young. He's 22. Hasn't he can still even... put on some weight too. His frame can fill out more. <laughs> yeah, man. I wasn't filling out till I was at least 24. Well, you were Just drinking beers filling now. out. He's he's gonna be filling out a different way. Yeah, no. He's gonna he's gonna throw on some LBs and he's gonna be a force. But I've loved the improvement from him. Best three point percentage of his career. Uh he's he's making him off the dribble. He's getting to the line over if he pulls his three point percentage up to forty percent on the year, give him the MVP. <laughs> yeah, twenty six Six boards, about seven assists right now. So uh, that should get you in the MVP mix. And Bede's been him awesome. Him and Booker's numbers are pretty similar, too. Pretty yeah, darn similar. They are. They are. 
Embiid's been awesome. Jokic has been awesome. I think that's the top three right now. I know you really like Steph, but I think they have too many quality component parts for Steph to be up there. And the shooting slump has been pretty bad. The shooting slump is what's going to get him. He's going to have to get red hot these last 35 games or so, but we'll see. And when you look at Jokic and Embiid and some of these guys, I think it's going to depend on who wins down the stretch. Everyone's putting up stupid numbers at this point. Like everyone's stats are MVP worthy. So it's going to come down to who does the most for their team. And if Denver can get up to one of those top four seeds, then Jokic absolutely is going to be a front runner because they don't have a ton. He is the entire team. If he manages to get them into the top four, he might be back to back. And with Embiid, there's no Ben Simmons. He's really the one that's the catalyst making it all happen. Now, he gets help from Maxie and Curry and some of these other, and Harris, you know, like they have good games, but Embiid is the guy. So if he wills them into a top three or four seed in the East, same thing as Jokic. He's got to be right there as one of the front runners. So I'm looking to see who's going to be winning down the stretch. If Steph gets red hot, his numbers start to spike back up a little bit and they go on a big winning streak. He's still going to be there, too. So it's all just going to come down to that. Can the Warriors close the gap with the Suns? That's one thing to watch. No, Can I'll the... tell you that right now. Spoiler alert. They got too <laughs> much to figure out. Too many guys in and out. Oh. Clay being back. Still haven't had a ton of Clay Draymond and Steph out there. They, they need to play with the rotations and get it figured out. Well, getting Draymond back should help there. Um, the Nuggets. Yes. Can they get above the sixth seed? I think if you are asking who is the most valuable, like by the definition, it's got to be Jokic. It's Jokic. I agree. Embiid was out Monday night against the Grizzlies. You had Maxi, Tobias, and Seth Curry all go for 30 plus, and they got the. I'll win. put it this way if Jokic didn't win the MVP last year, he would, he would be sure. like minus 400 right now. He would be a heavy front runner. I'm with you there. Is there anyone else you think has, has a shot? I would have said Giannis, but. They've kind of been struggling as of late. Yeah, they would have to get hot. Not going to be anyone from Chicago because, like you were saying, too many of them fill it up. DeRozan will stay in the conversation if they stay winning. Don't think he'll do enough to actually get it, though. Maybe if Dallas can really get hot and somehow they... they, I mean, if they jump the Grizzlies and the Jazz and get on the Warriors heels all of a sudden, then maybe, I mean, they're, they're at 29 and 22 now. And you know, Lucas stuff in the stat sheet, but I just, his defense and leadership, it's hard to watch them play and think he really is the best player in the NBA. <laughs> He's got some stuff to improve on. And a lot of it's just maturity. I think. Yeah. The, the top three in the West, I think that gap could grow even more than four games, which is what it's at right now. Agreed, especially if Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert miss any more time down the stretch. Yeah, and then the East, I mean, talk about a log jam. The Nets are now the sixth seed as of recording. Only three games back of the one. Only, but then you've yeah. got, I mean, you've got the Hornets and the Raptors in the play-in spots that are within a couple games of them. It's all stacked up real thick right there. I mean, we could blink and the Hornets could go from number seven to number one. That would be something, man. I mean, at 28 and 23, they go five and oh, all of a sudden, you know, they're right there on the Bulls heels, the Bulls, Sixers and Heat. Yep. Um, Let's close it up with some trade buzz. You have any any notes before we jump over? That's all I got here before we move over. And I've got a few things that I want to kick to you in regards to trade buzz because I'm always the trade buzz, man. I, I I get off on that. You know it. I'm always listening and reading more on that front. You care more about the prospects and the real deal, what's on paper, what's happening. And I love to fantasize about the possible, probably because I was a Suns fan forever and that was the only way we were going to be any good through some crazy trade. And that's probably why I'm so entrenched in the draft stuff because the Thunder are a dumpster <laughs> yeah. fire. Makes a lot of sense when you get to the roots of it. But let's start with a guy in the draft we were both really high on, Tyrese Halliburton. He's been awesome for the Kings. De'Aaron Fox has been in and out of the lineup the last couple months. And Halliburton has really been, I mean, a star by every definition. Even with Fox there, he's been really good. And teams have now started to pick up the phone and they see a sliding Sacramento team that at this point, probably doesn't have a chance of even making the play in. 
And they're not calling about Fox. They're not calling about Buddy Heald. They're calling about our guy Halliburton. And some teams are trying to poach him. All kinds of packages are being offered. Sounds like the Kings are pretty reluctant to even really listen. I hope still so. like what they've got in Fox and Halliburton. Don't really know on the Fox front as much. But if you're a team that's calling, trying to pick up Halliburton, how much are you willing to give? And then on the flip side, if you're the Kings, how much is it going to take for you to really listen and think about pulling the trigger? I think that conversation would start with an unprotected first from a middling slash bad team. If you're telling me... I think it would start with more than that. Yeah, I mean, that would be the very beginning, and you're probably getting a player back as well. Someone younger, someone with a little bit of upside still, especially if you're the Kings. You know, you and I both think they need to tear it down before they try to build up from where they're at. That means yeah. get rid of Heald, get rid of Harrison Barnes, probably trade Rashawn Holmes as well, who has yep, suitors get around anything the league. Anything you can for him. Anything you can. Yeah, because this team is going to be built. If they're going to be successful, it's going to be starting with Halliburton. I'm kind of off Fox. I still think he has a chance to be good in this league. The shooting numbers are just terrible. When when people don't have to worry about fighting through screens and going over to stay with you, when they can just go under and drop and leave you that top of the three key and you shoot it at 25%, it's just tough to space the floor. Name game. De'Aaron Fox, Colin Sexton. Oof. Um, is there anyone else? Uh, yeah, I Malcolm mean. Malcolm Brogdon? I, Nah, too old. Too old? Where are you at on those two? I think I'd rather have Sexton because you could get him on a better deal. You look at that Fox money and, man, paying him close to $40 in a couple years, shooting 26% from three and 68% from from the free throw line. I just don't see any way that you're ever a winning playoff team with your lead ball handler putting up those splits. Yeah, I think I would take Sexton too. It's like people just forget... In his third year, he had 24 points a night and shot 37% from three. His career average is 37.8. Like, this dude's a bucket. And I like his energy. I know people think he's a minus defender. The numbers probably back that up. But he was also playing with a really bad roster. Yeah. A lot better this year. I think the story with him would be so different if he'd been healthy and able to play this whole year. Oh, true, true, true. But. The fit with Garland, I still don't I don't love that. I'm with you there. I, I, it's very realistic that he gets moved. Yeah, he's someone that probably needs a bigger combo guard or good wings to help kind of cover him up a little bit. But back to what we were talking about. You know who about. he'd be great with? Who? Halliburton. <laughs> Would he? I think so. Yeah. Halliburton defensively, uh, maybe not quite what you need, but combo guard that can shoot it, space the floor, not selfish, easy to play with. I was thinking Lonzo. Think <laughs> Lonzo would be great also. Yeah, somebody like that. Um, but there's not a lot of Lonzos just laying around the league. No, there is not. Hey, Brogdon, maybe. I don't know. I don't know if Brogdon can ever stay on the court for more than about 35 <laughs> games a year at this point. But yes, I think the Kings should build around Halliburton. They'd be crazy to trade him and not Fox. A Halliburton for Ben Simmons deal makes absolutely zero sense. Fox. If I were a Kings fan and that trade was made, I would be a menace to society if I was a Kings fan and we traded Halliburton and not Fox. Yeah, if, if I got like Fox, Buddy, like a first or something like that for Simmons and getting off Tobias's deal, okay, maybe, maybe, but... Yeah, no, I they definitely need to hold on to this guy. If you're the Kings, what does it take? Like three first round picks and a young player, two unprotected first, a pick swap and a young guy, something like that. Give me two unprotected first and a good young player. Okay. I want a little bit more, but I've always been a little bit higher on Halliburton. I mean, I think he's great. I this is hard when I I don't know what that young player is. 
Well, it's also tough when you've only seen them on terrible teams where they're getting their ass kicked constantly. Yeah, well said. Next conversation here. A little bit of the opposite. Teams aren't calling them. They're calling everyone else, and that's the Lakers trying to deal THT. I mean, sounds like they're pushing some sketchy middle school drug trying to deal THT to everyone, and nobody wants it. So I don't know what the Lakers do if there's any other option. I mean, the Westbrook thing's been beat to a pulp. No one is going to trade for him, and if they do, it's going to be John Wall. THT and Monk are probably the only guys they can offer with any value. Can, well, he's still rehabbing. Oh. I've heard at this point his contract's a negative. And if they were going to trade him, they'd have to throw in second round picks to get rid of him. Wow. Yeah, he's negative value at this point. I think the injury is really bad and he's not going to be back this year. That's tough. I just hear that there it keeps delays and setbacks, delays and setbacks, and there's not even a timeline at this point. That's tough because I like his story. Dude kind of grinded to get into the league and this isn't going to be his last contract or anything, but it's still a tough situation for him. Yeah. That package just has nothing going. No value at all to me, even with THT in that first, like maybe that first conveys into something in the middle of the lottery in 27, but it's just not doing it for me, man. THT has not lived up to expectations. In fact, he's been like way worse than I thought he An would incredible be. Incredible disappointment. Point. Yeah. I, the and, contract that they gave him now and what I talked about, what I thought he could get on the open market. My gosh. Oh, yeah. You, didn't you think he now. could get like a max? Is that what you're I saying? I thought he could get close to one. I thought he could get <laughs> over 20 mil a year. Yeah. I, I commend you for the confidence in that. Um, I really think he might have. I think somebody would have paid him that much. And granted, if he wasn't playing in L.A., who knows what his numbers would be like. I think they'd be better than what they are, trying to come back from injury and fit into a lineup with Russ, LeBron, and A.D. That can't really be easy. Yeah, but he looks a little mental with him now. Like, he does not look confident at all, even on a spot-up corner three. Like, taking his time. why. Release Hmm. doesn't look great. That could just be Playing with a bunch of jack wagons. Yeah, he's only 21. So, I mean, if it's OKC we're talking about, I wouldn't mind taking a chance on him. But if you're a contender, what do we what do we give back? We give back a Kenny Hustle and like Mike Muscala. Now, that is actually I would I think I'd do that. Kenrich, Kenrich Williams, Mike Muscala. Maybe we throw him like a second round pick I, and we get THT. Can you just do that straight up? Kenrich call it for in. THT? Let's call it in. That no, would can't, can't do it straight up. Kenrich didn't make enough money, but. You could get close. I don't know. I can't remember. That's why you throw Muscala in. That salary filler would make it match up. No, I listened to uh, Down to Dunk. Andrew Schlecht covers the Thunder. He said Mike Muscala loves OKC. He he cried in his exit interview last year. I know, I know. Resigned. Has a girlfriend there. Loves the nightlife. So he's off the table then? He wants to be there, man, and I think he. Like, well, we, I don't really give a shit if we can get THT. Yeah, but they need, they need to keep a great, veteran but... in the building, and might as well keep a guy that loves being there and is a wet ball from three. All right, all fun. right. Let me let me pull up let me pull up the payroll here and see what we could do. It's Kenrich and something. Derek Favors, yeah, Favors. Yep. Favors would work and the Lakers need a big that would match up perfect like that ideal for both teams. I would think you get a hustle guy that doesn't need shots. That's going to be great with LeBron and AD and and open jumper. Yep. None of them like to cover up on defense. None of them like to get on the floor for loose balls. They like to take plays off. His hustle will cover up for a (laughs) lot of that plays off. They do. They all take plays off. They're terrible on the defensive end. LeBron and Westbrook are an absolute match made in hell on the defensive end. Two of the laziest defenders I've ever seen. (laughs) And biggest finger pointers also. At this point in their careers, yeah. I don't think that's too big of a reach. That trade makes so much sense, man. Maybe maybe that one's up on something. Did you see Uh uh, Jake Fisher reported they were trying to shop Kent Bazemore? No, I did not see that. But I mean, he's not playing. Who would even want Bazemore? That, that's what I'm saying. I, I just wish, 
the only reason I bring that up is because I wish I could have been in the room when they're having these personnel discussions. Like, how do you get to the point where you think signing all these guys is a good idea? Because there's no other option. And Mr. LeBron wants you to make moves and bring Westbrook. I, I really want to know how much say LeBron has in all of these signings. All of it. Do you not think that LA had to tell him, hey, to get you here, whatever you want, whatever you want. You want to have a say in the roster? You want to, you know, be buddy-buddy with the GM? I'm pushing and back. Be around Cupcheck and all that? Or not Cupcheck, uh, what other dudes? Palinka. 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 Cupcheck was before. Hey, they're, they're nice. He's doing his thing you in know, Charlotte. You know, he's been pretty good in Charlotte. Okay, I'll, I'll walk the Cupcheck back, but Palinka's <laughs> a doofus. Ah. Uh. Yeah, people were talking about him as exec of the year preseason. Wow, brings in Monk and Nunn on these cheap deals, and those two did impress me. I won't even lie. And Carmelo back with LeBron and Westbrook there, big three, the stars, the all stars. Palinka, executive of the year preseason. Everyone was picking him. They got like four of the same player, low key with Ariza, Bazemore. What Melo is now is a little Austin bit of Austin Reeves is their best role player. Honestly. Let that sink in. Honestly. Let that sink in. Yeah. You're right. Give him more run. He's got to. Get rid of Melo's minutes. That dude doesn't need to play. He Mello, had some moments early in there. He was exciting. The splits, the advance. You look at the numbers and you get a little deeper, and they're not as good as it looks when you watch him knock down a few open threes. <laughs> yeah. I promise you I don't know what the move is for them. I'm not sure there is one. I think it's figure out how to actually find guys that on the fringes that can play like the heat do like the Raptors do. Cause they're like the buyout market. They're going to have to go hard in the buyout market and pick up two or three role guys that really fit. Well, I'll give them credit for Reeves because that is one where they, they found an undrafted guy and made it work. But true. If only they could get a couple more dudes like that to help put them over the top. There's just nothing there right now, though, package-wise. And that is exactly why I don't feel good about the Lakers. I don't like them, and they weren't in my top 10 power rankings last week. (laughs) Up a creek without a paddle and not very good. (laughs) What do you got next? Um, Next, I got a couple teams who look like they could be sellers, and I think we probably finish here. Nice uh, nice bow to put on it, because both of these teams very likely could have made a trade before our next pod. That is the Wizards, and that's the Pacers. The Wizards, the Beal thing is there. Everyone's wondering. We've had some kind of bizarre quotes come out recently. Dinwiddie talking about leadership in the locker room and how he tried to step up and motivate guys early in the year and how it wasn't necessarily welcomed and he was treated Mm. different after that. And you have to think that that's from Brad Beal. I mean, that's kind of his locker room. You know, who else is going to be upset about somebody trying to be a leader and you know, That's... say and do good things. Like, who's going to be upset with that other than the guy who thinks it's his locker room? That's my gut on that one. Man, I don't have enough intel on the Wizards' locker room. I know, I know a little bit about I've the, read the old one. Weird. But... It's weird. And Beal's supposedly still happy, but making all these kind of weird demands and saying the Wizards got to impress him enough for him to want to stay and... I don't know. I think whether it's Beal moving or whether it's Montrez Harrell and Dinwiddie and some of these guys around the edges, no, no. they got to do something. That's... I mean, they got to shuffle around the edges if they want to try and stay competitive or just blow it up. One of the two. They did. And I liked the moves. I liked what they got back for Westbrook. It was plus EV, but they need to move worked. on from Beal. Quite frankly, I don't think he's worth the super max that they could offer him. Agreed. If you can't get unless out of you the... have another star who's your alpha and you can afford them both. Cuz no. I don't think he's the best player on a championship team. If I'm running a team, I'm not super maxing anybody unless they are a true unicorn, unless they're Steph, Giannis, Jokic, Luka, LeBron, Kawhi, Booker, Jaw, Jaw, yes. Booker. No Booker. Booker I, I would Booker. at this point I I think I would with Booker, but I have to be honest. I would not have said this prior to Chris Paul coming over there. He was a loser. He was looked at like Zach Levine. Oh, my God. He was looked at like Zach Levine was until DeRozan came. By you casuals. 
No. You know you what non- I'm saying? Suns watchers. You non non-religious Suns watchers didn't get it. People considered him a loser. All right. Well, theory disproved. Statistically, I don't even like hearing he that. Was. Well, yeah, he got drafted in the lottery to a not great team, and they made terrible roster decisions over and over. They put dog water teams around him. Other side tangent, okay? Back to what we're talking about. You got to be very selective with doling out a Supermax, and Bradley Beal is not worth it. Therefore, you should trade him, get something back. I don't like to use the cliche that his value will never be higher than it is right now, but I think that's very true. It is very true. Not getting any and I think younger. a lot of these teams, if you trade him before the deadline, these other teams aren't going to be on the hook for the Supermax. If you wait till this summer and you do a sign and trade, he is going to have that Supermax, and therefore other teams aren't going to be willing to offer as much because that salary that you're taking back is so much more. That fifth year with $60 million on the books, that hurts. So when you can offer him just the four, you know, if he were to be traded there before the deadline, that's optimal. So if the Wizards are smart. If Tommy Shepard's smart, they'll see the writing on the wall. They'll make the move before the deadline and Beal will be gone. Correct. You're just putting your balls on the line as a GM. So I get why if they don't do it, but if they would just swap him for Simmons and get this over with, so I don't have to hear about either one of these two storylines. It'd be yeah, much appreciated. I'd be, just fine. I'd be just fine. All right. Last team here, the Pacers. At first, it sounded like it might be Turner. He's kind of had a bad year. He's been banged up. Injury value is way down. Now it looks like, and kind of same thing with Brogdon. Brogdon can't stay healthy. His his trade value is taking a hit. So now I draft. think... Uh huh. That's a good point. The foot stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And it's still been foot stuff. So not great there. Definitely has his value way down. They just picked up Lavert last year. I don't think they're ready to move on from him yet. So the natural guy to move is Sabonis, and he's on a pretty good contract. He's someone that's putting up really good numbers. You look around, he's still pretty young. He might be the most valuable big on the market, you know, trade market or free agency. Seems like someone that's going to have quite a few teams fishing around, seeing what they can get. The rumor is the Pacers are looking to sell. Just seems like this makes too much sense for someone not to offer a pretty good package for him and get the deal done. They're a weird team for me. Because when I look at the roster, I really don't know who's a keeper and who I could move on from. I don't know if there's any keepers. I mean, there's a, all honesty. There's a lot of guys that I like, but it's just, this mix just doesn't work t- together. I mean, I like Levert. Everyone else, ugh, I actually I don't, know. don't know if I like Levert as much as Duarte. Sabonis or Turner. Really? Yeah. He is a ball stopper. He's a little too ISO happy. I just don't know how fun he'd be to play with, quite frankly. Whereas Turner can space okay. the floor. I think he, he's he been linked to the Hornets for a while now. That's a match made in heaven. Um, yeah. And Sabonis, he's an all-star caliber player. Like I think, And he moves the ball. Yeah. But he does. I mean, his usage rate is pretty high. But is that just the way Indiana's been using him? And maybe he could be a little bit more like one touch pass, you know, kick it down low, let him kick it back out and not as much dribble, 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 get into the paint, dribble, 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 back down, back down, back down, and then your shot or kick. Like, I think it's possible, but I, I don't know. He touches the ball a freaking lot. Well, a lot. That and what, who does he, who would you want to pair with Sabonis? Is what I'm asking because I've heard, oh, maybe maybe you send him to Philly for Simmons, but that seems problematic with Embiid. I don't know about him and Embiid. I think you want more of a four. Well, I look at that's a I look at Miles defender. Turner and I'm like, isn't that what you'd want? Yeah, it's not a bad point. Something similar, a defensive four who can space it. But I also think that Turner's a little bit more of a true five. Giannis. I think they're both true five. <laughs> Giannis. Giannis would be a match made in heaven. Yeah, that would be it's not gonna happen, but that would be awesome. Right. Right. I don't know, man. Like 
Duarte, yes, I like. I do like Lavert. I just don't love him. I'm not trying to give up a whole lot for him. Brogdon, good player. TJ McConnell, damn stud. I don't know. I don't think Rick Carlisle signed up for a rebuild, but I kind of think that's the direction they should go. And call me crazy. I think Ben Simmons would be a fun player to start a rebuild with because the world is your oyster. That guy has some special abilities. Chris Paul esque veterans around him or have fun. fun. They're going to rub him the wrong way, telling him to work hard. (laughs) You're screwed either way. Then if he's your, if he's your leader and he's the voice or guy that they look to F good luck. Good luck. Yeah. Things are bleak there, but Isaiah Jackson, Duarte, they've been kind of fun to watch. Yeah, they got some young guys. I'd like to see them blow it up, suck for a few years, enjoy the lottery picks and build around those guys, you know, the Duartes, the Isaiah Jacksons and future picks. But we'll see what happens. I I think they're a team that is going to make a move between now and the next time we record. And that's the thing, because they're in the top 10 of the lottery standings right now. If they were to move off of Sabonis, Turner's not playing right now. Brogdon's been missing time. They were to move They're off have of one him. of the worst records. Yeah, they could easily land one of these franchise changing players that we think might be in this draft. And I think the top six or seven is really starting to take shape. And I'm really starting to like it. Yeah. And we're going to talk about that next week. We're both going to have our top tens ready. And uh, on that note, Peter, I think uh, time to peace out of here. I got trivia now. I got to get to. Oh, and- I got some work on my top 10. I'm going to have a pretty pretty saucy list ready for you next week when we talk about prospects. I'm eager to see if you have some wild, wild guys thrown in there. Um, oh, you know I will. You. Yeah. You know I will. All right. Y'all know the drill. Give us that five-star rating. We'll be back same time next week. Peace.